All right, so if you recall, uh, last week uh, we started a series called Jonah. Uh, it is where we're jumping and diving into the book of Jonah. Uh, it, last week we, we started with chapter one where we were introduced uh, to uh, a prophet named Jonah. A prophet is one who hears from God and then relays that message from God to the people. And we see this prophet Jonah given this assignment or this call from the Lord uh, to go preach to the city of Nineveh. Well, Jonah had a problem with this assignment or this call, and so he chose to run away from the call of God. He jumped on a boat and decided to sail the complete opposite direction that God had called him to in the first place, which uh, brought me to my first point of last week that God can call you to places you don't like. He can call you to places you don't agree with. He can call you to places that you do not prefer. And we saw this with Jonah, and, and when he called him to somewhere he didn't like, Jonah fled. He ran from the call of God. And so Jonah is now on this boat sailing in a complete opposite direction of the call of God. And God, uh, uh, it, the Bible says that he, he, he causes this, this great storm, this violent storm that, that threatens to, to, to destroy and break up the boat that Jonah is on. And all the sailors on board are, are panicking, and, and, and they're crying out to their own gods, trying to figure out what's going on here. And eventually, uh, they came to the realization that this was all because of Jonah. And so Jonah's like, yes, it's me. I'm the reason why this storm is, is, is here. I'm the reason why our lives are in danger. And, and the only solution is just to throw me overboard. And the sailors were a little reluctant at first. They didn't want to do that. Uh, but then they came to the realization that, hey, if we're all going to survive this thing, then, then we've got to go ahead and do this. And so they all decided to throw Jonah overboard. And they threw him out in the sea. And when they threw him overboard, the storm stopped. It ceased. And now Jonah is left in the sea really to die. At least in Jonah's mind, that's what he thought. And so while Jonah is in the sea, if you read the end of chapter 1, something interesting happens. The Bible says that this huge fish came and swallowed Jonah. This fish came and swallowed Jonah. And it was because this fish swallowed Jonah that his life was spared. And so God orchestrated this fish to swallow Jonah. Now, I know that sounds just kind of out of the ordinary. It just sounds so weird and strange, even unbelievable. But God does, does things in unconventional ways. God uses circumstances, as we said last week, to get our attention. And how many of you would agree this got Jonah's attention? But this fish came and swallowed Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of this fish for three days. That just, it just continues to sound so just strange, strange and, and, and odd and just like that's just so weird. And I'm reminded of this story of this teacher while she was in her class. She was teaching her class uh, about some of the largest animals in the world. And she comes up, she starts talking about a whale. She says, yeah, a whale is one of the largest creatures uh, in the world today, but it, it is impossible for a whale to swallow a person whole because the size of their throat is really, really small. And this little girl speaks up in front of the class. She says, well, the Bible says that, that a whale came and swallowed a man named Jonah. And the teacher said, well... You don't really, you don't need to believe everything that you read. And the little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah about it. 
And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? And she said, well, then you ask him. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, let's get back to the text. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah is now, is now in, the, in, the, in the belly of this fish. And um, chapter 2 kind of gives us this glimpse of a moment while he's in the belly of this fish. Now keep in mind, he was in there for three days and three nights, so there were probably a lot of things that Jonah was thinking and, and saying to himself while he's in, and feeling while he's in the middle of this fish, in the belly of this fish. But chapter 2 records just one prayer that Jonah prays while he's in the belly of this fish. And I want to just kind of dive into this for a few moments in our time together here. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Your phone, you can scroll there. Let's begin reading from verse 1. Jonah 2.1 says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Let's stop right there. Let me repeat that. He says, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. The title of today's message for the second part of our series is simply this. Thank God for the pit. Thank God for the pit. As people, we, we live our lives, uh, for the most part, everybody desires to live their life to achieve success. We, we, we live our lives, to tr we set goals, and, and we, we want to live successful lives. We want to achieve maybe wealth or prosperity, whatever it is. We, we desire to see success in our lives. And one of the ways we do that is we, is we do our best to avoid the pitfalls of life. Like we, we do our best to educate ourselves. Uh, we do our best to learn from the mistakes of other people. We watch the mistakes that other people made and we say, hmm, I saw them fall into that pit. Let me do whatever I can and pay attention to them to avoid uh, the pitfalls of life. And so we do that. We don't want to fall into a pit. We don't desire to be in a pit. And that's just kind of instinctively what we do by nature. We want to avoid the pit. We want to avoid the pitfalls of life. And I completely understand that I am right there with you. I don't want to fall into any pits. I want to see success in life. I, 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 want, to, I want to achieve goals. I want to do things that, that can bring wealth. I want to do things the right way. And so I'm trying to avoid the pit. But my question to you this morning is, oh, what if there's a moment in your life or a season in your life where the pit is necessary? What if there's a season where the pit is necessary? What if we need the pit? What if we need to fall into a pit? What if we need the pitfall for our lives? 
And I think we can answer that question uh, uh, by way of Jonah here in the Scriptures. We see in, in, in chapter 1, as I, as I summarized here, Jonah at one point in his life was clearly in the right position with God. It tells us he was a prophet of God. So clearly there was a, there's a season of Jonah's life where he's in right standing, right position with God. God speaks to him. He and God are good. He is God's man. He was in the right position. But then when God tells him to do something or gives him a, an assignment or a call that, that he doesn't like, that didn't fit Jonah's preference, in an instant, Jonah disobeyed God. And all of chapter 1 is, is this journey of Jonah running away from God, which eventually led him to the, inside the belly of a fish, or as he referred to it as the pit. And so what happens if the pit is necessary? See, some would read that, and actually many of us would read that, and we would look at that and say, well, yeah, that all makes sense because clearly Jonah's disobeying God, so God is clearly upset at Jonah. God is mad and angry at Jonah, and so God is, is, is causing all these things in Jonah's life as punishment for his disobedience. Yeah, it makes sense that Jonah would be in the belly of this fish or in this pit because God is upset at Jonah. So clearly the pit is punishment for Jonah. But I, this morning I wouldn't really say that the pit is punishment or I wouldn't look at the pit as punishment for Jonah. But instead I would look at the pit as a repositioning for Jonah. A repositioning for Jonah, which leads me to my first point this morning is, is, is I believe the pit repositions you. The pit repositions you. And we see this right at the beginning of chapter 2. Chapter 1, Jonah is running away from God where literally his back is turned towards God. But right at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1, it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, meaning Jonah had to spiritually, within himself, turn around to face God again. See, the pit repositioned Jonah. It wasn't necessarily punishment, but a repositioning for him to face his God again. And maybe for some of us this morning, that, that, that may be in the middle of a pit today. Maybe you're experiencing your own pit. Maybe you've fallen into a pit. What if you can begin to look at this pit as a repositioning? Where maybe you, like Jonah, were probably running away from God. You were running away from the call of God. You were, you, God called you to something that you did not like, and you said, man, forget that. I ain't obeying you, God. I'm not doing that. And you, like Jonah, choose to run, and now your back is turned towards God, and now maybe you fell into a pit. Maybe you're in the middle of one right now, and you, like Jonah, need to look at it as a moment of repositioning. It says, in the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. It repositioned Jonah to face his God again. Maybe the pit that you're in needs to be a repositioning for you to face your God again. To face him. To look towards him. Because then as you continue reading in verse 2, he said, 
in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. So not only is the pit a repositioning, but the pit can also help you recognize that you need God. That you need him. You need him. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. And maybe the pit is getting you to recognize that you need God, that you can't function in life without him. Jesus, on his, the great Sermon on the Mount, gives us what we call the Beatitudes. And in Matthew 5, Jesus makes this statement. He says, he says blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what Jesus is saying here, if we were to kind of break this down, when he talks about, says the word poor, the word poor is synonymous with the word humble. So he's saying you are blessed when you are humble in spirit. In other words, you are blessed when you recognize that you need God. And see, there are a lot of people in life right now, maybe you're watching online today, maybe you're in here today, wherever you are, you are living life as if you don't need them. I went to school, I, I went to college, I went to universities, I got my degree, now I got my career. Look at everything I did. I didn't need God. Look at the house that I got. Man, I didn't need God to get the house. I, didn't, I don't need God to have my family. I don't need God. And, we start, and people start living life as if they don't need him. But then comes the pit. And like Jonah, Jonah was now at the end of his rope where Jonah was running away from God in his own strength. He was running and trying to function without God. Now Jonah's in the middle of this pit and now he recognizes, man, I need you, God. I'm all out of options. I don't know what else to do. He even says from, from the deep, from deep in the realm of the dead, verse 2, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. In other words, Jonah's saying, man, I am at the lowest of the low right now. I've literally hit rock bottom. I can't get any lower than this. But he says, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Let's just use your imagination for a moment and imagine you're Jonah. Imagine you are Jonah. Imagine you got swallowed up by a fish, a whale, or a shark, whatever it was. Just imagine for a moment, if you would, that you were in the belly of this fish, and just, just, just imagine, just kind of walk with me here. Can you imagine what it smelled like inside the belly of this fish? Imagine what it felt like, how disgusting that was. All this unprocessed food in the belly of this fish, and, and here Jonah is in the middle of it. I mean, he even says in the text, there, there, there's seaweed wrapped around my head. There's, there's probably all this nasty, gunky stuff just, just all around him. Imagine what it smelled like. Imagine what it felt like. Imagine how dark it was. He couldn't see anything. So Jonah is probably disoriented. He, don't know, he doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know if he's going up, down, south, left, right. He doesn't know. He's disoriented. It's so dark. He can't even see what's in front of him. Or maybe uh, you're claustrophobic. How many of you here are a little claustrophobic? 
Can you imagine being in a space where you cannot move and you are completely stuck and paralyzed in the belly of this fish? Well, this is Jonah. This is Jonah. It's dark, he can't see, he feels lonely, he's afraid, he's stuck, paralyzed, can't move. Maybe some of you with that description can relate to that pit. Maybe some of you, like Jonah, are, are in a pit right now where it feels dark and you feel like, man, I, I can't see, I'm disoriented, things just aren't looking clear to me because I'm in the middle of my pit. Maybe like Jonah, you're afraid. You feel alone. And also maybe like Jonah, you are, you are paralyzed, you are stuck, you've been in this pit, and you feel like you just cannot move forward. You try to press on forward in life, you try to, to, to find happiness, you try to find some sort of satisfaction, and you realize, man, I keep on uh, staying in the same place. I can't move forward. I can't move beyond this pit. And prayerfully, like Jonah, you are coming to a place where you recognize that you need God. And Jonah, he's at the lowest of the low. But even at the lowest of the low, from the deep realm of the dead, he said, I called for help and you listened to my cry. What does that mean? It means that God was right there with him. If he called out and God heard him, it means that God was there with him. That in essence, Jonah wasn't alone. But it's easy to imagine that Jonah could think he was alone. He even makes this statement in verse 4. He said, I said, I have been banished from your sight. In other words, he's thinking, man, God doesn't want anything else to do with me. I've messed up so bad. I've made such a huge mistake. I've disobeyed God. Clearly, God is finished with me. Clearly, God doesn't want anything to do with me. I thought to myself, I've been banished from your sight. Can I tell you something this morning? There are those of you in here today that are so deep into the pit, you feel like God is done with you. You feel like God has had it with you. He's done with you. He's upset at you. He's angry at you. And God doesn't want anything to do with you. Let me tell you, my friend, that is the worst lie of the enemy. God is not done with you. He's not done with you. And just like Jonah, you feel like, man, I'm banished from your sight. You don't even want to look upon me anymore. And some of you feel like you've done so much bad. You've, you've sinned so deep. You've done some of the worst things ever that God is completely done and he's finished with you and he wants nothing to do with you. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that we can take a cue from Jonah, and if you cry out to him, he will hear you. Why? Because he is with you. He never left Jonah. Jonah left him, but God was right there all along. And that's such a big deal for you to grasp this morning, that God is not done with you. I would even venture to say to you this morning, and this may blow some of your mind, but God understands you. God gets you. God can relate. 
to you, well, well, wait a second, how can God truly relate to me because of Jesus? Jesus relates to you. Jesus gets you. Jesus understands why you do what you do. Jesus understands why you feel what you feel. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest. Talking about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest that doesn't understand us. But instead, what? But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So what is that saying? It's saying Jesus gets you. He understands your struggle. He understands what you feel. Maybe in your pit you're experiencing betrayal. Jesus has been betrayed. Maybe you're experiencing pain. Oh, well, Jesus has experienced some pain. Maybe you're feeling lonely in the pit. You know what? Jesus felt lonely. He gets you. He understands you. And best of all, he is right there with you. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He's right there with you. I heard a pastor say this quote one time, and it's just kind of, it's kind of stuck with me for a few years now. He said, it's simply this. He says, you know what? Um, It's better to be in the middle of chaos with Jesus than to be in a life of peace without him. And so right now, for some of you, this pit for you is chaos. This pit for you is, is, is so uh, uh, disruptive. It is so bad. It is, it is horrible. But can I tell you something this morning? Jesus is right there with you. You aren't alone. You aren't left to figure this all out by yourself. But he is in the middle of the pit with you. He is in the middle of the chaos with you. And can I tell you something? Just like the quote said, I would much rather be in chaos with Jesus than live a life of peace without him. I need him. I can't function without him. And I come to the realization that he and he alone is my ultimate satisfaction. He's my ultimate satisfaction. He's the only one that can truly satisfy. He's the only one. And Jonah is coming to that realization while he's in the middle of the pit. He's at the end of his rope with no other options. And then he remembers, oh, but but God's still there. But God is still there. And if you continue reading in verse 8, he makes a statement. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Why is he saying that? Let's talk about these worthless idols for a moment. An idol is anything that you put above God. An idol is anything that you deem as as, as a savior for you, as a God for you, anything. And get out of your head any graven image. Get out of your head any statues or anything. Those can be idols too. But, but, but let's be real here. There are a lot of things that are not statues that are idols to us. And so he said those who cling to worthless idols, 
Idols that don't amount to nothing. Idols that'll do nothing for you. I love what Tim, author Tim Keller says. He, he calls these, these idols these functional saviors. Anybody ever heard the term functional savior? A functional savior is anything that you run to outside of God in a time of trouble. Meaning if you're going through some hard time right now, maybe you're, you're going through a, a, a bad predicament and maybe you run to the bottle. Man, times are really going hard for me right now. Things are really rough for me right now. Man, let me go grab the bottle and you turn to alcohol. Well, alcohol is now your functional savior. You're wanting alcohol to save you. You're wanting alcohol to make you feel better. Well, that's a functional savior. Or in this case, a worthless idol. Or maybe it's pornography, or maybe it's relationships. It can be anything, anything you run to when you are in the middle of distress that can only bring you momentary peace, a momentary solution. But when it runs out, it runs out. You got to keep replenishing it over and over and over again to get that feeling again, to feel that feeling of comfort and safety. But he says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Pay attention to his wording there. He doesn't say God's love turns away from them. He says those who cling to those idols turn away from God's love for them. God never stops loving you. God never stops pursuing you. But Jonah is coming to the realization, man, that I... I can't do this on my own. I need God. I need him in my life. I need him for direction. I need him for guidance. I need him for my comfort. I need him for my safety. He says, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good and I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now Jonah is finally realizing. He's finally coming to the realization again that God is all that he needs. That God is all that he needs and that through him and him alone the salvation comes. He's my peace. He's my comfort. He's my safety. He's my security. God is all these things for me. And my hope for us is that while we're in the middle of this necessary pit, that we too would come to the realization that we need God and that God is our true satisfaction, that God is our true comfort, even in the middle of the chaos, even in the middle of the pit. And so Jonah declares, well, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And then in verse 10, it says, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's gross. But it was in that moment when Jonah declared The salvation only comes from the Lord. That his comfort and his satisfaction is only in God. That God orchestrated and commanded this fish to throw Jonah up on the shore. Now, we don't really know 100% 
specifically, accurately, where he was, he was put up, what, what shore he was put up on. But many historians, commentators, uh, most of which I read, believe that he was thrown near the shores of, of, of Joppa. And Joppa was the place where he hitched a boat to, to, to sail in the opposite direction of where God had called him to. It was his point of decision. It was, it was, the, it was the place where he made his decision that he was truly going to flee and disobey God. Well, many believe that it was around that area where Jonah was, was vomited up on. It was on that shore that vomited was vomited up on. And, and that it was there where God was like, Jonah, I'm taking you right back to your place of decision. In other words, what I'm providing for you today is I'm providing you a start over, a do over. And so it's, it, 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 it's the point of contention where we, we realize that, that the pit, though we hate the pit, and we don't want to fall into a pit, that the pit can be necessary. Why? Because it can also be a place where the, God gives you a restart. It can be that place where you get to do it over. See, and some of you this morning that are in the middle of your pit, you're in a place where you need a repositioning, you're in a place where you need to recognize that you need God. And when you come to that realization, maybe the pit for many of us in here today is a place for us to start over. See, the Bible tells us that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Meaning every morning we get an opportunity to do it right. The sins of yesterday, the troubles of yesterday, the mistakes of yesterday, the Bible says that when you opened your eyes this morning, that today's a do-over. It's a brand new restart for you. And maybe today we need to start looking at the pit that we are in as God's way of getting our attention. God's way of telling us, man, you need me and I'm here for you. I need you to face me again. I need you to look to me again. Yeah, you know what? You messed up there. I, I saw where you disobeyed me there. You messed up. But you know what? Let, let's repent. Ask for forgiveness. Let's get it right. And let me give you a do-over. Let's start this day off right. Let's start this day off fresh. And there are many of us in here today, we just need a do-over. And maybe you're in the middle of a pit this morning. Maybe you're in a place that you seem stuck and alone and afraid And maybe like Jonah, you're thinking, God, clearly I've been banished from your sight. Clearly you want nothing else to do with me. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, by the authority that God has given me, that God is not done with you. And he loves you. And he desires relationship with you. He desires to do life with you. 
Don't believe the lies of the devil that says that you're done. But God desires relationship. He desires to be with you. Let's stand to our feet this morning.